again. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, well, he has trouble with the snap. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Cannot wait for some college football, huh? Dabo Sweeney, that team is going to be better this year. I'm looking forward to that. The uh, preseason rankings come out. Georgia, number one again. Shocker there. Alabama? Like number four? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is that? We'll be talking, of course, a lot of college football. And, of course, our Friday shows at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. Yes, best bet segment and a whole lot more coming your way each and every Friday at the world-famous Superbook. And reminding you to get signed up for the Super Contest you got to love it. $1,000 entry fee, five NFL games each and every week, and 12 chances to win 11 in-season contests, and, of course, the grand prize winner as well. And, of course, then you have the $5,000 entry, the winner-take-all, or as like John Murray told us on uh, Friday, the big boys, the big sharp guys, winner-take-all, five grand entry fee with that. Marco D'Angelo, he's got... All kinds of disposable income. How many entries are you going to put in the five grand one on the super contest gold? I have not done the super contest gold. I like to have, you know, like a poker tournament. You get, you pay X number of mm-hmm. spots, you know, cause you want to get in there. You want to win it. It's nice to take the top money, but you know, I have no problem with the cash, which I did get a, the first quarter last year. Right. Uh, me and a group of guys. There was, there was five of us. Winning. So you had to split it. We had to split it, but it's still it's still fun. You know, we did it. A bunch of the guys from Wager Talk. Okay, so hold on. So you got five guys splitting like one entry, or how does that work? We did one entry, and each guy picks one game that you you submit. How difficult is that? Because uh, I've got I've got a couple guys that want to split entries with me this year. I've never split an entry, but I'm giving it some thought. It works well for the most part. There's a couple times where you have your pick that you, you want to use and somebody beats you to the punch. Now you're scrambling for a second pick a lot of times. That's what makes, that's why doing a partnership, because I can tell you any, any of the entries I've had by myself, the, I can get three picks out the window. No problem. It's finding that fourth and fifth pick some weeks is just, you know, I know there's a winner and loser in every game, but some of them are literally coin flips, you know, and I don't really like anything. So that's when it's nice when you got five different guys that have five different opinions, maybe five different style, different styles of handicap. Yes, too. So you get a little, you know, you're getting them picking their best game available. Have you ever had any debates where it turned ugly where, you know, maybe you had a conviction and again, it's like, Everyone pretty much has to have an equal say if they're chipping in for an entry. Um, some of our group texts can be pretty comical. See, whenever you know we're scram, when somebody has to change right. one of their picks and they're you know they're going to find a second one and they're saying, "Well, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about this," then you'll get guys will chime in. You know, so, so let me ask you: Is it, in all honesty, here, is it the cost factor? Is it a money factor to? To have partners like that, just because you feel like okay, instead of investing a thousand, I'm only going to invest two hundred. No, because I'm still investing in other stuff. I'm still getting right. my okay. you know my own you know ticket. But it's nice to to have it with a group of guys. And the, all of the guys, but me, were other guys outside of Vegas. You know, so you know they this way they don't you know they're a piece of it. They don't have to worry about it. You know, the guy in Vegas signs up or whatever. Yeah, they don't have yeah. to worry about a proxy and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff, right? All right. So let's say you're going to go have some chips and salsa like you normally do a couple times a week. And uh, you you take Teddy KGB and you just you, you're coming home with uh, a lot of money. All right. Do you say, OK, I'm giving the Super Contest gold a shot and I'm in. <laughs> uh, it, Would it you may, do it? It may happen. I don't like winner take alls. Okay. I, I like I like at least pay three spots. 
do that. I know. You know, and that's one of the reasons a few years ago, um, the World Series of Poker changed the way they did the prize structure. It used to be 10% of the field got paid. Now they're paying almost 15%. And I think that's good for the sport because it's recycling the money. Uh, guys that, you know, don't win, but they're, they're getting min cashes. They're getting their, what they paid to be in that particular tournament and some money on top of that, that lets them buy into the next tournament and it has a residual effect. And I think that would be the same way, like with the super contest and what they tried to do with having the 11 in, in season sub contest creates that. So people have more than one chance because before in the old days of it, if you had a, a bad two weeks to start the season, you had no shot. I don't care how hot you got. No, you're right. You had no no shot at getting to the money. Yeah, yeah. Now you still do. It's true. And I think that is what's so cool, what the Superbook and the Westgate do, you know, having those in-season contests. Because if you get a, say, three- or four-week run where you get hot, you know, like I say, you start off slow or, the, you know, you just, mm. you know, you go on a run. You go on a run, I mean, then you can get rewarded and you were a perfect example, you know, of that. But I'm with you. It's not so much, okay, the big entry fee. It's the winner take all because, I mean, you're battling, you know, what, seven to 18 weeks of this with the contest. And let's say that, you know, you're hitting 64%. You're feeling really good about yourself and you lose by like a game or two and you get nothing. Yeah. You get nothing. I agree with you. And I'm sure we say to Jay Cornegay, or to John Murray say, hey, come on, you know, you guys got to go like top three, top four, do that. They go, nope, because that's the hook. It's like we they, want this winner take all uh, sort of thing. So, social media wants to see somebody getting that big cardboard check for, you know, the big money. And that's why the super contest for a lot of years didn't expand the payouts to where they are now because they wanted top, they wanted a top heavy they wanted to have that million the first million dollar right football winner in the contest and yeah that was a great driving force at that time but because now there are other contests around town in a competition competition's good for everybody L let's face it yeah. and who benefits the most out of that is the customer and that's why we've got all the contests that we have now and they are player more player friendly mm -hmm. because hey if the Joneses are doing it the Smiths got to do it you know got to do it too and everybody you know is trying to up their game because you're fighting for the same market I didn't know the Jones had a grocery store <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so how do you feel about the survivor contest do you do those I've done a survivor contest once. I'm not a fan of it. And you're going to laugh when I tell you that because I cannot wrap my my head around picking just the winners. Everything I do is point spread. Okay. It's, you know, it, it's, it's a different thing. Yeah. And then, and it's also game theory because you don't want to just every week take the biggest favorite on the board that you haven't used yet because you have to be thinking down the road for, Oh, what am I going to do if I get past the first 12? It's a lot of work, a lot of handicapping down the road. I mean, it's you got to have the, the foresight here. And the way that, you know, the particular contest that you're talking about works, they always have Thanksgiving Day is a, is one competition. Mm -hmm. So you have those six teams that play on Thanksgiving Day. You have to save a play out of those six teams so you don't come to that point of the contest and have nobody you know and have already used all those teams and then you're screwed or you're stuck with a team that you didn't want to play so yeah you've got to look at that look where this you know the subset week is where you know games are of their own like that day and you got to plan that day first before you even start your season because you got to make sure you have the one of the a couple of those six bullets alive when if you get to that point Contests. Mm, so good. And this time of year, everyone is just all hyped up about that. And like you said, after a couple of weeks, sometimes you get, oh boy. <laughs> it, it's fun conversation. You know, the show, you know, I do, as you know, we do a ton of shows and we do stuff at Wager yeah. Talk. We did, you know, every week I would give my, you know, my mock survivor, you know, pick. So I'm doing it. You know, it's just, I like point spreads, man. That's the great equalizer. 
But how many dogs do you normally play? Because if you like point spreads, that means that you're a dog player for the most part. I try to look. I have a rule. You know, I'm going to look at the dog first. I have to find concrete evidence to be laying points because the old adage is, and you know, and I'm not the guy that invented this. The first person I heard say it uh, was Mark Lawrence. Uh, you know, he's been in the industry forever. Great guy. And he said, when you bet an underdog, three things can happen. Two of the three are good. You either can win outright, you can lose and cover, and then the third option is you get blown out. But every time I bet an underdog, I got two of those three options in play. You bet favorites, you don't have all those options. And that's why you think that uh, the survivor contests are so favorable to a lot of people because, as we know, most people are betting public. They love betting the favorites. And, hey, and overs. I don't have to lay a touchdown. <laughs> I don't have to lay 10. You know, I just, you know, you know, pick that winner, you know, you know, to advance. I think that's the only problem that I have with the survivor. I think it's pretty ingenious. And I'm not sure who came up with that and how long the survivor contest has been going on. Because when I was back here, you know, going back to the early to mid nineties, I don't remember survivor contests, you know, taking place. Never in a public market like this. Right. But they've been. Underground I, stuff, I, yeah. yeah. Underground, yeah. they were as big as um, March Madness, you know, yeah. office pools. Yeah. You know, people were, you know, because it, it was easy. You you can only use one team, yeah. you know, one time per season, and whoever's the last man standing, you know, wins it. And it. You know, and it's great. And there's some big ones across the country. Yeah. Underground, as we like to say. No, right. Yeah. And, uh, but again, I mean, they can be a big cash out for people. And again, I like... The idea, I think it's ingenious, but I guess for me, and you hit it earlier, I don't think I have that patience or the foresight or the time to like start, you know, looking at games in November and December and who you, you know, cause yeah, we, we take week one, like, okay. Yeah, I like them. Okay, I, I, I can make it then, twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, take that, whatever it is. And then week two, week three. But then, go, oh my goodness, now I'm coming down to the last, you know, three weeks of the season, and oh, you know, I, I've got to use the Buccaneers and the Jets and the Bears. Oh no, you know. So yeah, there definitely is an art to it. I know two. It was two years ago. Um, a guy, you know, a wager talk. He was the proxy for one of his friends back home, um, and he had. They had 10 different survivor pools. They lost six of their 10 on the first week. It was two, maybe three years tops. Mm-hmm. Opening week, Jacksonville beat Indianapolis. And yeah. a lot of people went down right away. But I'm like, you got 10 entries and you you use six of them on mm-hmm. same, the, the same team. You know, and you didn't think you didn't expect them to lose because, you know, I think that might have been the last year Philip Rivers was at Indianapolis. And, you know, we know how that went. Right. But uh, shout out to uh, one of our loyal listeners two years ago, um, won uh, the Survivor uh, contest over at uh, Circa. And um, it was one he was one of three and they split a really nice prize. And it was a lot of fun sharing with him um you know dinner at berries and we, know, pool we know parties he was paying yeah he was paying yeah and so and i appreciate his generosity for inviting me out all that shout out to you slappy uh but then the next year came last year right and then he had like 12 entry fees and nine, nine out of 12 went bye-bye. I believe it was like the first two or three weeks. Yeah, last, we're gone. Last year, there was yeah, a lot of... Oh, I'm playing with house money. I'm playing with house money, this and that. And then... But yeah, that's how it can go. Because let's face it, you need a lot of luck you know, to, to win that as well, too. You need some luck. And I'll even say more than some luck. Mm-hmm. You need a good degree of luck uh, to go ahead... And, and, and cash re- out ticket over the course of 18 weeks. If you remember two years ago, it was in the month of November because I went back to Pittsburgh, uh, for my birthday with a group of, you know, friends, uh, you know, Kelly and JD, uh, Kelly in Vegas, I'm talking about. And she had the Steelers in her survivor pool that week. So she's mid November. You, you've gone through, you know, three quarters of the season and that's the game. We're eating dinner Saturday night when ESPN breaks the news, comes across the scroll on the bottom. Roethlisberger out with COVID. 
Mason Rudolph to start against the lowly Lions, and it ended up being a tie game. Detroit and Pittsburgh played to a tie. Yeah. A tie is not a win. Right. And bye-bye Survivor. How was that dinner? Uh, wasn't wasn't happy that night when we got the news, but you still think, okay, you know, the injured player theory, they're going to rise to the occasion. And so, and the Steelers had every opportunity in the world to win that game in regulation, and it couldn't. And it went the overtime, and the whole period went by. It started raining, and it was just miserable. Mm -hmm. 2020 tie, not good. All right, get signed up uh, for the Super Contest at the Westgate of Las Vegas. You have till September 9th to get in that again. $1,000 entry fee. Hey, just follow Marco's lead, okay? Get four or five of your buddies. Get yeah. 10 of your buddies. And you guys sit there and you argue about, you know, every it week. It gives you something to in, talk about in, you, all season. But that sounds like it almost takes as much time in coming up with your weekly five selections as you would if you did a Survivor. I mean, just by myself, I'm just, okay, I'm picking it. I I don't have to deal with anybody else. Yeah, I could see that with you. You don't like to deal with anybody else. <laughs> That's not true. My way or the highway. <laughs> no, I told you I'm I'm actually open to it because I've had a couple guys hit me up with it. I'm thinking about doing it like that, but uh, yeah, I just don't want to get into debates like that. You know. It's like okay. you have no problem getting into a debate with me on Fridays at the Westgate for food. I can't answer that. I can't. I can't answer that. <laughs> one, one last question on your buddy yeah. two years ago. When they got to the final week and yeah. there was three of them, was there any hedging involved? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There, there, there was. And um, I remember the game that, that he picked. It was the Giants in Washington. And, uh, that, and you know, he, he picked the Giants and the Giants ended up winning that game. I believe that's what it was. And, um, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, and again, they no, there was like three guys that were left in that, uh, that week. I think they all ended up winning, yeah. you know, in the final week or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's kind of tough too when you have multiple people that are tied in that last week. And then when you hedge off, what are you going to do? But yeah, there, there was, there was hedging off. I remember that. Yeah. But, um, it's tough, man. Like I said, it's it's a cool contest. It's a cool uh, cool concept. I really, you know, enjoy that. So who knows? Hey, we got till September 9th to go back and forth and make up mind with that. So who knows? All right. So um, NFL preseason. How'd you do over the weekend? D- did you partake? I played one game, and it was a game we talked about Friday um, at the Westgate with John Murray, and I, I didn't feel good that everybody and their brother was on the same side as me, but I was on the Steelers because, let's face it, um, we talk about preseason. We're, we're talking about who's going to play and how long they're going to play and what the coach's philosophies are. And Tomlin said all week that all healthy bodies will play some in the preseason, and we know that the Steelers have three quarterbacks that have all started you know, you got the rookie coming back, Kenny Pickett, in the second year, and uh, you had Mitch Tabriski and uh, Mason Rudolph. As it did, when Pickett went out, the scoring continued because you had two guys that could move the ball against second and third units. And Mason Rudolph, once again, you know, he's great against those third string preseason defenses. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if there's a Hall of Fame for preseason fourth quarter quarterbacks, yeah. Put them on the list, but that's what you got to look for. The inner, the most interesting thing takeaway from me from the weekend with the preseason is, and there was a game we talked with John Murray at length. Everybody knows the Baltimore had won 23 straight preseason yep. games. They won their 24th game. And John said that during the week, that line ballooned up to six. Right. But he said after they got to six, they took a lot of sharp bets at six, five and a half, and five, and the money got there. Uh, so, for the books, uh, I'm sure overall that uh, you know Baltimore not covering was a good result for the house. Had they lost the game outright, definitely would have been you know because I know a lot of people would have just put them on a money line parlay, and just have to win the game, which they did barely. Yeah, they did twenty to nineteen. Uh, 
the Jets game. We talked about that uh, with Scott Spritzer uh, last week, and uh, that was an easy winner right there, 27 uh with the Jets. The um, the Bills is is a game that uh, I was looking at, but I I, I did not play, and um, uh, that line just did not look. Something looked off in that line yeah. because Buffalo should never have been a four four and a half point underdog, right? You know, right, right. And it's like it's almost like That's this is I like said. It looks it looks too good to be true. I was kicking myself because I didn't play. Remember, I yeah. talked about it on Friday, and I said I'm not really much for playing preseason, but man, that game just really you know stands out there. And then, of course, you had the Demar Hamlin, yeah, you know, feeling going on as well too. I mean, that was uh, that was good. But again, I just think okay, Buffalo's backups are better than the Colts' backups. Uh, you have all the drama and the circus atmosphere has been going on in Indianapolis. You know, you got a young coach. Uh, and again, he's really not taking a stand with the Jonathan Taylor situation. And now we hear that Jonathan Taylor, oh, now he's going to come back after being there and just hovering around with his long face. And then <laughs> they're saying, well, okay, now he's not here. Well, it's because he's rehabbing. No one believed the coach that, you know, that was exactly what was happening. And now we hear, oh, Taylor's back. And then I know one reporter said, oh, so his injury's better. He goes, he'll be back. We told you he'd be back. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, that, that was one. And then again, too, you know, we talked about the, the Raiders and the 49ers, but for me, Marco, it is just too hard, uh, in, in, in pound your brain to handicap these preseason games. Even though if you know that starters are not going to play, it's backups against backups. I don't think anybody saw 34 seven coming from the Raiders. Absolutely. I mean, you see, and you saw where the money was, you know, Niners open at three and up at four. And they were thinking, oh, conventional wisdom, okay. Purdy, Lance, Darnold, okay. Even if you get two of the three of those guys going to play, you know, the majority of the game, uh, they're vying for their their contract life here. And then what have Aiden O'Connell, Purdue, forget about it. And then, I mean, it was no contest. So for me, I just I'd rather just sit and wait for the opening week of the NFL season because. You know, for people that say, oh, preseason, you can make so much money. I heard all of that. And look what we heard uh, leading up to the Hall of Fame game. The exact same thing. Jets, 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 Jets. Jets rolling, you know, up 16-7. What happened? Boom. You know, fall apart in the second up. Backups. And there you go. So it's like, and you don't want to lose like that. Thinking like all about your your handicapping and and throw it out the window. I don't know. It's tough. I don't play a lot. Uh, I spot, I have spot plays. If I end up with, you know, four to six plays for the entire preseason, that will be a lot. Mm-hmm. Shout out to, uh, Derek Carr. He was impressive. Like, uh, kind of knew that he would be. And I'm going to say, I think that the Saints are going to have a good year this year. And I think Carr is going to play well. I really do. Because anytime you get a guy that has an incentive to want to stick it to somebody or, um, like you said, a, a new, a fresh new start, nothing hanging over his head. He is far enough away from the Raiders in Las Vegas now. You know, he's in a different conference. Uh, he's going to be doing his own thing. And again, no one is second guessing him. No one's, you know, you know, judging him. And I can tell you, man, that deep breath of fresh air is going to go a long way. It would not surprise me if Carr has himself a fantastic season. I expect him to do so. And, you know, if they can keep the wide receivers healthy, he's going to have some, you know, he's going to have some targets. He hooked up with uh, Michael Thomas uh, in that preseason game for a nice catch. I like them. I, that division is wide open. I think the Saints are the team that can emerge out of that division because they do have a decent defense. Uh, there's not a lot of offense in that division. You look at the quarterbacks, you either got rookies or guys that are retreads, you know, including Derek Carr. But I think Derek Carr is a, you know, they didn't put him out on the garbage heap. I mean, this was just, I think, you know, the organization wanted to go a different way. Uh, I think Josh McDaniels wanted his own guy and, you know, Carr took the fall for it. Um, it wasn't his fault that the team blew as many leads as they did last year. Um, that's, you know, he can only do what he can do. And now, you know, he's going to have a decent running game, a, a way better defense than he ever had here with the Raiders. Six for eight, 70 yards, a touchdown. 
pass rating of 140.6. I don't know if you got a chance to, to see him or just highlights or still shots, but Derek Carr was hitting the weights. I mean, he looks like a totally different guy in the upper body. Is like That just shows right there. It's like, okay, I'm committing myself big time here in the offseason. I mean, he looks totally different in the upper body. I mean, he, he's got like defined muscles. He almost looks like a boxer or a wrestler there. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's tremendous. So he said that, Hey, he's on a mission this season. And, uh, as long as he doesn't, you know, can keep the mental mistakes down, watch out for car, watch out for the Saints. Two things I'll say. I, I noticed the same thing when I saw him. The other thing that I noticed, did you see the twinkle in his eye? I, I mean, like, of course, the, yes. the, 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 he yes. looked, Generally happy. Kidding the candy store. You know, for the first time, uh, because, you know, I think, you know, yeah, there were times that he needed to be criticized, but I think he was more of the scapegoat that, you know, he doesn't play defense. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And this team scored enough points to win ball games the majority of the time. The defense just couldn't stop anybody. So let's see what happens down there. It's a different league, new beginning. And as you say, you know, He's got something to prove. And I love, you know, I like taking teams whenever I use the phrase, this is a statement game. This is a statement year for Derek Carr. It is. All right. So have you looked at any of the preseason games coming up this week, week number two? So you got a little bit to judge off of, especially when you're looking at the quarterback situation, guys that now have a start or some reps underneath their belt here. It's going to start on Thursday. Uh, again, the Browns getting another Thursday, you know, game like they did uh, a couple weeks ago with the Hall of Fame game. Uh, Browns and Eagles on Thursday. And then you got two games on Friday, the Panthers and the Giants, the Bengals and the Falcons. And then, uh, a slew of games on Saturday, one game Sunday, Saints, Chargers. And then now we start getting to our Monday night football routine, uh, Ravens and the Commanders. Yeah, I didn't break the card down yet. You would have to think that Cleveland playing their third game and this being the dress rehearsal week, that we should get a pretty good effort out of the Browns. I know that that's one of the games over the weekend that caught some buzz uh, was the Browns because people like to take the two teams that played in the, right. the Hall of Fame game because you know, the theory is, you know, everybody's been in camp practicing, but it's a different story actually playing a game and you know, get timing down better. So if you subscribe to that angle last week, you went one and one, you lost the juice. Uh, but I look for a better effort from them. And then uh, the game's, you know, over. Philadelphia is going to be overpriced in that game simply because they almost beat the team that never loses in the preseason mm. without the key people. Right. Okay. Right. So being dress rehearsal week, do you not think that Philadelphia is going to get some action this week? I think you sit back and wait and uh, take a look at Cleveland um, closer to game time. I think you're going to get the best number on taking the Browns. And Deshaun Watson got a lot of love uh, in that game. Actually looked pretty decent. Um, you know, in that contest uh, with the Browns. So I imagine he's going to get, you know, more snaps in this game as well, too. This preseason's important for him because he never got to get that foundation last year because he had to step away, uh, for all those games with the suspension. Um, if you talk about a statement year, we said Derek Carr has one. Deshaun Watson needs to perform this year. Uh, you know, you can give him the asterisk for last year because of all the time missed and not being able to jail. And it's hard to, you know, come in in the midseason and, and just pick up the football and be on the same page as everybody else. But now he's had a full, you know, full training camp and we'll see what they can do. And, but the Browns are always the Browns, TC. He got that right. <laughs> I'll stay away from the Brownies. I'll stay away from Deshaun Watson as well, too. Even though I've had some great massages over the last two weeks. Tremendous massages. Patriots have made a signing today. Ezekiel Elliott. Got a... Oh, bro. I'm low-key faded, bro. Yeah, how's that going to work out with uh, Bill Belichick over there, huh? Bill Belichick has this propensity to take (laughs) all the guys, you know seasoned veterans that are on the backside of a career or somewhat of a problem child and he plugs them right into his system and for the most part it's worked every time the only one that really didn't work it did for a while but antonio brown there you know 
which his Antonio Brown worked anywhere. Forget it. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, so he, didn't he, work he, with he, the Raiders either. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even get started with the Raiders. Right. Did it? <laughs> well, I, when he when he came down there in Napa in the in the in the balloon, oh. you know. Yeah. I think that 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 was a sign right there. Yeah. Anybody, have you ever seen any worse feet in your life too? <laughs> Coming off that balloon and what? You know, I mean, that was horrible. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. Do you know what the Patriots are going to pay him? I'm going to say they got, they got him for a song and a dance. Is it incentive driven? No. One year deal, six million, which is not much. No, not you know, by for, for a running back. Yeah. But this goes to show you that I don't think a lot of teams really wanted Ezekiel Elliott. No. But remember, New England does use the running back. They, I mean, Tom Brady's year, you know, the Super Bowl years and everything, you always had a, a running back that could catch, catch the yeah. ball. When you're getting outplayed by Tony Pollard, and Pollard's a decent back, but that's it. Elliott, over the last two seasons, had no burst. He had nothing. I, I just, you know, I think when he, you, like, he liked his cheeseburgers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or his hot dogs, right? Right, Numbchuck? He liked his hot dogs. His glizzies? His glizzies. He liked his glizzies. Uh, you know what a glizzy is, Marco? I do not. Yeah, I just will leave it at that, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, and here's the thing. He's not wearing number 21. He's wearing number 15. Ezekiel Elliott wearing number 15 with the Patriots. That's a quarterback number. I know. Well, it's anybody's number now because basically, you know, you, you see wide receivers are wearing 15. Which, uh, it's, NFL's all messed up with that. All right. We come back. Uh, we'll talk a little Major League Baseball, but we'll also hear from Becky Hammond, all right, regarding her induction into the Hall of Fame, the wild weekend where the Aces win on Friday night. Becky Hammond gets in Mark Davis's private jet and goes to Springfield, Massachusetts to share the spotlight with uh, Dwayne Wade and Tony Parker, Dirk Nowitzki, and, of course, uh, her mentor, um, Greg Popovich. Uh, what a night that was. And then, of course, the Aces come back and get the victory uh, last night as well, too, against the Atlanta Dream. But uh, you'll hear from Becky Hammond talking about her Basketball Hall of Fame experience. Hi, this is Becky Hammond, head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Welcome back to the Michelob Ultra Arena as we get ready for tonight's game between the Aces and the Dream. And join me now, the head coach and the recent Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Becky Hammond. Back here with our whirlwind coast-to-coast <laughs> trip. How you doing, Coach? It's game day. It's game day. But first and foremost, congratulations again on the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, it was fantastic watching it from afar. Give us the details. What were your thoughts? I know that you had a whirlwind yesterday, but getting up there, giving the speech, what were your thoughts? Um, Just a little overwhelmed, probably. I mean, you get up there. You can rehearse it in your mind. You can rehearse your speech. You can do all the things. But when you get up there and you start looking around that room and see so many people that you either admired growing up, you looked up to, you watched, you studied, um, you game planned against (laughs) um, peers that you haven't seen for a long time. Um, Just a real, really a lot of meaningful people in the room for me last night. And um yeah, so you get up there and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> Here we go. Was there a person that maybe you met for the first time last night or maybe reconnected with that uh, really kind of resonated with you or left an impression with you last night? I saw a ton of people um, that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, probably, you know, Richie Adubatu, mm-hmm. you know, gave me my first shot. And, um, he was there and he was as proud as a peacock, uh, (laughs) walking around. And, um, you know, I had mentioned a a thank you, his name in my speech early and, you know, I saw him afterwards and he's like, you said my name, you said my (laughs) name first. I was like, I sure did. You gave me my first shot. (laughs) But, um, no, I mean, I would really have loved to rattle off a gazillion thank yous, um, just didn't have the time. They just, they were like five to six minutes. And I think I kept it around 10 to 11. And I felt really good about that because I, I timed it for you. What was it? 16. 
Was it? Yeah. It was like 1540 something like that. But you were between 15 oh. and a half and 16. It was, but it came across beautiful. I mean, you were a lot less than Dwayne Wade and some of the others. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. No, you're great. There was, I did have to take some pauses just to collect myself a couple yeah. times. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think you just have to roll like with wherever you're going and how you feel in the moment because um, trying to put in like 46 years of my life, which over half of those have been in an NBA or WNBA right. arena. So it's a lot. And just like I said in my speech, you know, it's not just the 25 years in a professional arena. It's been the buildup that I've been able to look back and be like, oh my gosh, like the meaningful things, like I needed that. I needed to learn how to be tough. I learned, I needed to learn how to keep up and, um, put one foot in front of the other and learn how to, um, you know, I love football because of a, you can't see their faces, right? It's such a gloryless sport at times because, you know, every great quarterback has a great line and nobody knows the lineman. They only know the quarterback or somebody like a defensive end, your try hard factor if you're really good, you get the quarterback, you know, 12 times, maybe 13 times. You're amazing. But you had to try your very hardest 600 times and you fall down and you get back up and you fall down and you get back up and you chase again and you chase again and you chase again. And it's just, um, you have all these things that you, you start thinking about. I was like, dang, a lot of things had to happen in order to get me to this spot and build things that were needed for the journey. I loved, and I think everyone loved the acronym using dream to break it down. Are you, have you always been an acronym type of a person with that, with your teams and your coaching and what, what led you to that decision? Um, I use, you know, I use an acronym basically cause it keeps me on, on topic yeah. and keeps me short and concise of like the points that I want to hit. So one, I just think it's an easier way to speak publicly do public speaking. Um, but also I think it's a tangible in, in a, in the scheme of a 45 minute speech, which I've written many of them. Um, you can get some of the things lost. Like you can really hit home on some key things. Um, when you kind of keep like less is more, you keep it short. I used a, the acronym last year, you know, with our team. And but it was funny cause they were harassing me this afternoon when we met up. <laughs> Oh no, here comes the acronym. I was like, y'all know I was going to do it. And plus I was like, it's never, I don't think it's ever been done in a, in a hall of fame speech. I could be wrong, but yeah. you know, wow. uh, I, got, I had to do it my way. I, yeah. I can't, I can't fake the funk. I just got to be I me. Love, there you go. Using my terminology there. Best moment of the day in the night for you. I mean, Tony is, you know, we're, we're We've had so many great moments. Um, to see him get his his moment was was really special to me. Seeing Pop get his moment um, was really special. And Pow, you know. Um, but I think for me, uh, you know, the hardest parts for me was getting through the parts of talking about my family, talking about my parents, my brother, my sister, and Pop. Those were the hard. Like if I could get through those three moments, I was like. I'll be good. And you know what? I did not. I could, <laughs> I cracked on all three of them. No. And uh, talk about Pop. I mean, I've never seen him like that emotional before. So you, he felt it. You know, he definitely felt it. And yeah. You could just tell the connection between you guys. Yeah. I mean, he's somebody that's very special to me. I mean, after we got our butts kicked by New York, he called and left me the longest voicemail <laughs> the next day. Mm. I'm calling just to make you smile. Some games are just like that. Mm. Throw it out the window. Like, you know, mm. um, but we were, when we first got the phone call, um, he texts me, me and you, who to thunk it? Like, so mm. it, it's been, you know, and we've had a lot of great um, conversations and just moments over the years, especially like over his dinners that are notorious. I sat next to him every dinner. It started off, I think kind of as a mini hazing thing from the other coaches, but then it became a thing where it was like, if I was coming in a little bit later, I was meeting up with them. He literally wouldn't let anybody else sit for him. You know, it, he, he had that chair for me every time, um, would pull it out for me. Uh, he's just a gentleman. Um, 
And and I appreciate that. Um, very thoughtful, very thoughtful and, and intentional in his actions. And as you mentioned in the speech last night, I mean, he did something that no one else has ever done before. I mean, you know, bringing you in well-deserved, you know, as an assistant coach, a female head coach, a female assistant coach into an NBA team was just, you know, unprecedented. And you could tell that, you know, how much he respects you and cares for you. And that came across last night. Well, and the thing is, is he downplays it. And yeah. and it's funny because like when people come at me in a certain way with the the trail, like I downplay it because it's, it's awkward to talk when somebody's sitting there telling you how great you are. Like, yeah, I am great. It's like, <laughs> it's weird. We don't know how to take good compliments. And so for me to kind of admonish him publicly like that um, and tell him some things that are really true that I don't know. Um, I don't know if he can. He's just a very humble guy. Mm-hmm. He, he, neither of us, when he made that decision, thought of any big deal, you know, like, oh, because to him, it was just such an ordinary basketball move. Here's a really bright young basketball mind, and I'm going to bring that bright mind on staff. It wasn't about even a male, female. It was really nothing yeah. until it became huge and something. And it was like, oh, you know, so. And at the end of the day, nobody in professional sports had ever done it. And now women are in major league baseball. They're in NFL. They're, they're in a, like every sport now. And he's really, I just, it's awkward for me to be like, Hey, I'm the trailblazer. But like, he was a trailblazer in his own right. Like by just being himself. Mm-hmm. Tired. Travel schedule, crazy. How you feeling as we get ready for this game? Um, you know what? It's uh, it is what it is. Uh, these are one of the moments where you you walk into the gym and you feel the energy of the players. You feel the energy of the arena, and um, been doing this our whole lives. We've stepped out on that court many times, tired, and you didn't even know it. So yep. tonight will be no different. There you got it. All right. Good luck, Coach, uh, tonight. And again, congratulations with the uh, Hall of Fame induction. Uh, outstanding, well deserved. Thank you, guys. Becky Hammond uh, last night uh, before the game, talking about her induction into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. What a great moment uh, for her, and uh, so well deserved. The one takeaway for me is, to me, is how special it was to see her and Pop go in together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I said to you, it's almost like he's a father figure to her. You know, I mean, it, their relationships beyond coach. You know, coaches and assistant coaches, players, whatever. Um, that was pretty cool. To go with that point, and I, when I said to her, too, I, I just can't get over it. I mean, and she hit the nail on the head with this in her speech, is that Greg Popovich did something that he did not have to do, and he did something that no one else has ever done to reach out to her and maybe get a lot of flack and have a female coach on his staff. Even though Becky Hammond was a tremendous basketball player, great college career, Hall of Fame, WNBA career, there are a lot of people, you know, going back to you know, 2013, that had no idea who Becky Hammond was, especially in NBA circles. And for him to do that, and like she said, it wasn't like I'm doing this just for this, I'm, we're going to make a major press release and major announcement that, hey, I'm hiring a female coach. He goes, he just did it because he just felt like, hey, she's just as qualified as any male and it didn't need to have a whole bunch of pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I, You know how I feel about it. And I, I think that uh, if she ever does end up in the NBA, I I see it as the San Antonio Spurs coach. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Greg Popovich, those that have watched him coach people in the media who've tried to interview him or have interviewed him. Um, to me, he's a lot like Bill Lambeer where, you know, if you're in the circle, it, it, it it's all good. Lambeer had his detractors and he could be very rough. Uh, then there will be these moments kind of like Bill Belichick where, you know, Lambeer could be very funny and, you know, and good. Popovich is that same way. He can be very open, honest, um, maybe to a fault, but then he has these other moments where, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun. And you saw the emotional side of Popovich when he was basically in tears 
And so is, you know, Becky. And you see how special that relationship is. Uh, here's a moment from her speech on Saturday night in Springfield, Massachusetts. Pop, I'm not going to look at you. You're a man of principle and excellence. I know you weren't trying to be courageous when you hired me, but you did do something nobody else in professional sports has ever done. Becky Hammond on Saturday night, and again, just, you know, you heard her talk about it with me right there about that very, very special moment. And, uh, She's living a great life right now. I mean, she wasn't anticipating coaching the WNBA, didn't know what was going to happen with her, you know, the Spurs, if she'd get another opportunity because she had interviewed for other NBA jobs. And Mark Davis and Nikki Vargas come calling and offer her to be the highest paid WNBA coach, wins a championship her first year, aces on the verge of now breaking the all-time record, playing for a Commissioner's Cup championship tomorrow night. That would be their second in two years and the favorites to win back-to-back WNBA championships. And she's generally having fun. She enjoys this. She does not look at this as a stepping stone to an NBA job. Because like we've talked about before, you got to be careful. You know, just because there's an open job and in any league, whatever you're coaching, doesn't mean it's the right job. This was the right job for her in so many ways. And I know that she is loving um, and just is so happy that she made the choice to accept this job from Mark Davis and Nikki Vargas. She's uh, she's living out her dream right now. And, man, is she successful. Oh, no question. She's got the best job in the WNBA, the, the team – and this is a team that you you've talked about it several times. The nucleus is signed for you know several years. I mean, this is not going you know going away, you know, barring you know injuries and such. So yeah, she's going to be here for a while, but she's going to get her chance. Yeah. All right. Commissioner's Cup tomorrow night, and we will talk more about that uh, tomorrow. And tomorrow's show, you'll hear from uh, Asia Wilson, the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and it's going to be a big night tomorrow at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Marco, baseball tonight. Who you got? Well, I know uh, you're going to be on your Astros uh, tonight. I do. I am uh, in that game. I do like a play in that game, but I don't like Houston, and I don't like Miami. I like both of the pitchers tonight. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to get a good outing uh, from Valdez. We talked about it, and you had a lot of fun with me. That's the game I had the big lead uh, against the Angels. Yes. Okay. And uh, – or no, it wasn't the Angels. It was Baltimore. 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 Yeah. Angels got me earlier in the year against Houston. They all blend together. But uh, we, I expected a bad outing from Valdez last time. He was coming off the no-no, and he did. He gave up five runs in the first two innings. But if you look at the box score, he gave up six runs. He pitched through the seventh inning, which means the last five innings, he only gave up one run. He was dealing it. So as I expected, he came out not as focused as – you know, the last game coming off the no-hitter. So I expect him to pitch well tonight. And the kid for uh, Miami, uh, Braxton Garrett, has pitched uh, very well recently. And his when he pitches, um, he's on a 16-4 and four, uh, run to the uh, under Yeah, uh, with him on the uh, situation that he's in tonight, uh, pitching in a night game. So I'm going to go ahead and take the under. Now there's... Two, and I'll ask you, which would you prefer? You can get under seven and a half at some books plus money, or you can get eight under and lay 120. I, li- I would like to get that eight. You know me. I, that's, that's, a, that's a much safer number. Yeah. And you're right about Garrett. He's, he's solid. The thing about it is, though, you get into that Miami bullpen and – the Astros maybe get get seven or eight, uh, you know, themselves. So we'll see how that plays. An interesting game tonight is the Angels and the Rangers for this standpoint only. Max Shears are taking the mound for Texas. 
this will be the first time that Shearzer has faced has faced Otani. Not from a pitching standpoint, but I'm saying Otani batting. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be some cool matchups to watch for as long as Scherzer is, is in the game with that, you know, tonight. It is. I didn't get involved in that one. I would lean to Texas, um, but because of the price and such, you would be looking at, you know, having to lay a run and a half. And I, I try not to do that very often. Um, especially with a home team, you know, I'll do it with a road team because you know you're going to get your nine at bats. Um, that's the only problem with that. But Texas is playing great ball. Houston is winning, as you know, and they can't gain any ground. Yeah, uh, You know, Texas just will not lose right now. And uh, this is going to be a fun battle to watch, you know, in the AL West. All right. Marco, appreciate you being here. Of course, uh, Marco at wagertalk.com. Go to that website, wagertalk.com, and you can subscribe to Marco's Plays uh, with a variety of sports. And, of course, he's with us every Monday and Friday. And, of course, Friday at the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. And we'll see between now and September 9th how many entries Marco has in the Super Contest. And we could talk him into going for the Super Contest gold. You like spending my money. Of course I do. <laughs> But only when it comes to to feeding me, you know. Gotta love a good meal. You had some good meals this weekend too, so don't let anybody fool yourself, you know. You had some I meals. paid for mine though. You did. <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> I want to thank Nubchuck. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Our blog or whatever you want to call it, the article on the front page regarding the Aces 27 and 3. That is up there. And also the interviews and everything else, and the current interview page, the classic interview page, all there at tcmartinshow.com. We're back at it for a terrible Tuesday session tomorrow, and then we get ready for the Commissioner's Cup. The Aces and the Liberty tomorrow night at the Mandalay Bay. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. The winner of the game, $500,000. It means a lot. Seems weird, doesn't it? Oh, you're, you're playing for money? One game. Winner take all. Does the radio play-by-play guy get, get any of that? Yeah, unfortunately, no. <laughs> all right. We'll catch you tomorrow. Enjoy. Enjoy.